Dan and Corey here, welcoming you into Libservative. Welcome in to uh, what are we going to call this one, Corey? This is not a uh, this is not a fun Friday, but a, uh, a brunch bash. Brunch bash? Yeah, bourbon batter brunch bash. He's Corey Walsh, and he's Dan Griffin. And to prove that it's a brunch bash, I've gone for the Bloody Mary this morning, Corey Walsh, and I had a big fucking mimosa, <laughs> beer mosa, actually. To say that's a beer mosa. You're a, you're a man. The thing that makes my this bloody so awesome is something that I have a feeling is going to be very polarizing to our audience as it is to most people in the world, which is uh, this. I've never found anything like this anywhere else. There's a distillery up in the Traverse City area here in Michigan that that uh, that makes this stuff. It is a horseradish infused vodka from uh, Northern Latitudes Distillery. And I'm going to tell you right now, by itself, this stuff tastes like absolute ass. However, by, in a Bloody Mary, it is fantastic. It really does make the world's best. That vodka. isn't some communist vodka, is it, Dan? No, it is not. It is... Uh, Bottle's awfully red. <laughs> it's, and not only that, but it's a red teardrop. Look at that. <laughs> well, we now know where Dan stands. Those red tears. On the side of the, uh, I got a red beverage geopolitical mess in Bloody, Europe. Bloody Marys are they constitute communism now? It's a subconscious thing. Tinfoil Hattie. I know. I told you we need to make some tinfoil hats. Mm. One of these days. Well, first we have to do. We have to do some housekeeping here today. That's what this show is all about. The Ukraine stuff has really dominated the news. It's even really dominated our show. It makes complete sense. It, it should. It's an important thing. Um. We got some other stuff to talk about today. The only thing we really wanted to discuss with regards to Ukraine, Corey, is the unbelievable amount of narratives that are out there with regards to um, how much of this is Putin's fault, how much of this is the West's fault. And we have discussed it a little bit um, or discussed each of those things a little bit. But what I'm starting to see is like even people that I respect uh, in this business uh, are are going a little too far over the top. Nothing that they're saying is wrong necessarily, but they're just, they're leaning r- way too far in one direction or the other, even in independent media. It's either the, it, the, the, the leaning into it's the West fault or the leaning into, Hey, a nuclear war is a real possibility. I'm not going to say they're not fear mongering nuclear war necessarily. They're not saying it's inevitable. It's an inevitability unless we do a, B and C. Um, but really leaning hard into that. And I'm wondering if you've, you've seen the same, over these last, I don't know, 10 days or so. Well, oh, I forgot. Um, I also have bacon. Oh, you son of a bitch. That's that's one thing I don't have over here. I only have two people. But yeah, no, I've seen it too. You know, it's... um, You're seeing people that are trying to institute a no-fly zone. I don't think they realize what they're trying to imply when they say that. You're seeing people talking about... Uh, that, yeah, nuclear war is on the horizon... And you're seeing people still that are saying it's all the West's fault, like you said. And I've I've seen all of it. You know, it's uh, it's kind of funny. You know, or not funny because of the weight of the conversation, but it's just you're looking at it and it's just like a head beating against the wall thing again. It's like 
here we are at home finding everything to argue about. Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm and I'm and we we've talked about these things too. Um, I'm looking at people that are giving off a lot of Western blame here. They keep talking about the Azov Battalion and and uh, Western funding of the 2014 coup. It's absolutely correct. Uh, Gorbachev, and you pointed this out to me in pre-show, Gorbachev, though, though this was never put in writing, Gorbachev conceding in 1990 that Germany could join NATO as long as NATO never moved another inch to the east, which, of course, it immediately did. Um, and then, obviously, all, all of the propaganda that we're seeing uh, coming out of mostly Twitter, mostly social media, um, propping up Zelensky uh, as some sort of great leader in Ukraine and you and I have both admitted that, you know, um, it's pretty cool what he's doing, that he's that he's sticking back with his people. Uh, however, let's let's not sit here and pretend like he's some some sort of, uh, you know, bastion of, of great leadership. I mean, we all know that uh, Ukraine is is uh, it's, it's been a, a corrupt country for a long time. Um, but yeah, said, and people let it be their own fucked up, corrupt country. And I think that yeah. the, real quick, Corey, and then I'll let you go. The only. Uh, uh, like all of these things are true with regards to the West's uh, uh, part in this, but I feel like when you when you have a, a crazy person who has already gone above and beyond what we thought he would do, you and I and a lot of other pundits thought he would do, and we don't know what's coming next. I think we need to kind of focus on that just for the moment. We we shouldn't lose track of any of this stuff as far as Western blame goes. It's definitely something that should be talked about, but. I think just it should just be put a little bit on the back burner for the time being, if if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, you know it's uh, yeah, it's you got to remember that the Zelensky guy is in a corrupt country, a corrupt country that was now shrouded with a a whole impeachment scandal here in America. It was involved in a whole coup attempt that involved America, and all the whole world constantly calls. Ukraine corrupt to the point that they won't let them join the EU and to the point where they even saying that they wouldn't join NATO, but they kept that door open to poke and prod at the right. But none of that negates the fact that Putin is the one that's acting mighty crazy here, you know, and it's, you know, and, and it's, it's, it sucks how binary it's become where it's like, you know what, both sides are kind of at fault. Sure. You know, America definitely doesn't have clean hands in this. But when it comes down to it, it's a sovereign country that doesn't want another country to invade. Did we fuck up other countries? Yes. But we were kind of invited for the most part. Except yeah, for I mean, Afghanistan. the hypocrisy angle there is is also something that's very real. But again, I, I think it's something that should be just kind of put on the back burner right now. We've got a crazy person with nukes. And that's, that brings us over to the other side, which is, you know, the nuclear fear. At this point, I mean, it's really hard for me and you, Corey, because our gener our generation really wasn't uh, it's early, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> what do we? Oh, Robbie, Robbie Robinson, fighting the Russians. <laughs> fighting the Russians. Uh, it's early. Yeah, yeah. You you've been you've been fighting the Russians right here in front of a microphone, which is what makes us the the vaginas that everybody's talking. I'd, I'd rather be dead than red. <laughs> uh, the the. Do you, hold on. Are you are you buying this? Some people are calling it kind of tinfoil hatty, and some people are giving it uh, some credence. Which is that? Are you buying into this? Like Putin's really ill, like he's got long COVID, and maybe he has brain cancer. Or I don't think there's any way. It, it's so funny because 
somebody who's so insulated like that, anybody could just make that up and nobody would ever be able to know the truth about it. It would never, right. it would never come out. I mean, when you look at uh, the different videos and stuff of like when he was talking to Macron, they're at like a 30 foot table. <laughs> Macron's way at the other end. What? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why communications are breaking down, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you and I are like eight miles away from each other, but we seem to communicate better <laughs> than, than yeah, some. We also don't here. have our fingers on nuclear buttons. <laughs> and I'm not trying to invade your neighborhood. What do you make of the the uh, the fear of nuclear war before we move on? Because I think it's something that should be, you know, kind of thought about a little bit. But I don't mm-hmm. think it's something that uh, it's not something I'm immediately afraid of, because it's like if it happens, well, we're all dead anyway. So why the hell? Why the hell worry about it? <laughs> I don't know if that's a, a little bit too uh, rather nihilistic. <laughs> um, I think it's I think it's just it's something that. <laughs> Well, one more thing to add to our generation that we've never dealt with before, really, in a real thing. You yeah. know, a lot of us are born, you know, like you and I, you were born, I think, what, in 88? Mm-hmm. I was born in 89. We were we were sucking on our parents' teats when, or our mom's teats, not our parents necessarily, but. Sucking on your like, dad's nipple, that's a little odd. <laughs> sucking on our mom's tits when uh, the Soviet Union collapsed. And nuclear war hasn't really been like, oh, my God, the button, the button. I mean, there was a shit with North Korea and stuff like that. But it's like that's so distant and so like minute or minuscule compared to uh, an actual country who actually has nukes. And so I guess the fear, like the fear mongering with it, I guess that's. Not this is, well, it could be like warranted. It's probably overplayed. It just seems like there's a lot of like old playbooks being dusted off. Right. A to lot talk of old, about it. The old Cold War playbooks. Yeah. It's just, it's something new for us. This is, this is an actual now an existential threat that we've never really had in our lifetime. It is, uh, it is something that it, it's the, it's the biggest chance of nuclear war that we've had. Actual nuclear war, not the North Korean bullshit, but the actual nuclear war, you know, in, in, over 30 years. Yeah, there's a big difference between a nuclear strike by North Korea that's right. just going to get obliterated after. Like a limb. And an actual nuclear war of two of them throwing countless back like at each other. Falling in the ocean would be a lot of those uh, North Korean missiles. Yeah, yeah. They would get one off and then they would just not be there anymore. What did Trump call him? Little Rocket Man? Little Rocket Man. <laughs> uh, North Korea, I mean, uh, Russia and America, we're talking about. The implication of a great memory of this guy <laughs> of the world actually being <laughs> obliterated 10 times over yeah i think it's just uh it could but you know it's a scare tactic but that's what those nukes are intended for i just don't think anybody's really smart enough to figure this out because when i've got people that are that i really respect that i think are going are leaning a little bit too hard either to towards the nuclear war side or towards the uh western responsibility side and Nobody really seems to have it. This is this is such a complicated thing, which I think is the scariest thing, because I don't know if there's anybody out there that can actually figure this out and put it into put it into context for for how we move forward. Yeah. Yeah. How do you come back from this? You know, uh, Dan Carlin recently in his common sense thing, he was talking about how or not. It was uh, not Dan Carlin. It was I think it was Saga. They're talking about when how close we came to nuclear war before we had rational people on all sides. Right. And Putin's not that. We, yeah, we had Khrushchev and Kennedy. Like Khrushchev, 
like not necessarily seceded, but there's a letter of uh, a letter that he wrote to John F. Kennedy. And he talks about both sides are pulling on a rope with a knot in the middle. And there can come a time where that knot becomes too tight. And the only way to undo it is by cutting it. And he goes, and I don't have to explain to you what you know, to, to explain to you what you, what you know. Ugh. I don't have to explain to you what that means, Mr. Kennedy. You know, and it's like, we're, it's, I don't think we're at that point yet. We're not moving nuclear missiles around. We're not trying to station nuclear missiles in places for strategic advantage. But the fact that the talk is even there, it is, it's knocking us back 30, 40 years. And so, I'm not trying to fear monger, but it is now a threat that's on the table that wasn't there three weeks ago, really, other yeah. than some bullshit rhetoric. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. And it's like I said, I, I have no I have no issue with it being discussed, um, but I don't lean too far to one side or the other. It's just such a fluid situation. But we didn't want to spend this whole time talking about Ukraine. We wanted to do some, some housekeeping stuff uh, before... For, from before the Ukraine situation happened, uh, we're having fun here on a beautiful Saturday. It actually really is a beautiful Saturday here in Michigan. Yeah, it's fucking nice out for comparatively. What's the temperature right now? It's like 50 degrees. Oh, something like that. Feels like feels like 85 when you're a Midwesterner. Um, right. We want to we talk about CPAC and particularly Tulsi Gabbard's speech from CPAC. What was this probably, what now, two and a half weeks ago or so? Uh no, it might have been like a week and a week ago or something. It doesn't matter. Like that. It was a time before Ukraine. That's a, nobody remembers that time, and we'll get to that actually a little bit. <laughs> we'll get we'll get to that, to that a little bit later on in the show. Um, but Corey, this is something you really wanted to talk about, so I felt the need to uh, kowtow to your wishes. Uh, <laughs> and I did watch the speech, and most of her speech at CPAC. Um, yeah, Tulsi. They, so Tulsi does the unthinkable and talks to Republicans. Can't have that. Mo- but most of her speech at, 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 at CPAC was about constitutional rights, corruption, Fourth Amendment rights to privacy. Um, she talked a, lo- a lot about, you know, the, the use of the ter- of terms like misinformation to to discredit whatever goes against the, you know, the mainstream narrative. She brought up words like white supremacist, traitor, racist, Russian asset extremist domestic terrorists which is probably all things that she's actually been called <laughs> by the establishment democrats um and it's just misleading narratives to sow distrust in in the u.s government um is is what domestic terrorism is is actually portrayed as in the biden administration it's actually that's actually in writing i forgot where it was but you can find it maybe you know where it's where it's written down oh the uh talk about misinformation yeah i actually have it right here no. What what constitutes a domestic terrorist? Yeah, do you want me to read the summary real quick? Yeah, go so ahead. This is a bulletin from the uh, Department of Homeland Security. And it says, the summary of terrorism threat to the U.S. homeland. The United States remains in a heightened threat environment fueled by several factors, including an online environment filled with false or misleading narratives and conspiracy theories and other forms of mis, dis, and malinformation. Introduced and or imp- Amplified by foreign and domestic threat actors, these threat actors seek to exasperate societal friction and sow discord and undermine public trust in government institutions and economic unrest, which could potentially inspire acts of violence, mass casualty attacks, and other acts of targeted violence and conducted by lone offenders and small groups acting in furtherance of ideological beliefs and or personal grievances pose an ongoing threat to the nation. 
While the conditions underlying the heightened threat landscape have not significantly changed over the last year, the convergence of the following factors have increased the volatility and predictability and complexity of the threat, threat environment. One, the proliferation of false or misleading narratives which sow discord or undermine public trust in the U.S. government institutions. Two, continued calls for violence directed at U.S. critical infrastructure, soft targets, and mass gatherings, faith-based institutions such as churches, synagogues, and mosques, institutions of higher education, racial and religious minorities, government facilities and personnel, including law enforcement and the military, the media, and perceived ideological opponents, and calls by foreign terrorist organizations for attacks on the United States based on the recent events. The only thing that holds weight to that to me is three, calls by foreign terrorist organizations that attacks on the united states uh, yeah all the rest of it is basically like uh if uh you try to undermine yeah yeah fuck you you're a, you're a terrorist if you yeah especially when it says uh while the conditions underlying the heightened threat landscape have not significantly changed over the last year <laughs> meaning since january 6th Nothing more has happened, but the proliferation of false or misleading narratives, which so discord or undermine public trust in the United States institutions, is a terrorist threat to the U.S. homeland. Yeah. And it's it funny how things like this come out, and then all of a sudden now we're calling a bunch of people in the country terrorists. Are we? Or is it? Is that already started? I haven't been paying attention. I mean, look what they did in Canada. You know, well, that's been yeah. happening here, you know. Yeah, we terrorists, insurrectionists. If you get to label a, if you get to label protesters terrorists, then eventually they're going to do that to you. Once right. you once you have a movement that goes against their their narrative. Like I don't really give a shit if you don't agree with the protest. You can't just call people you can't call protesters terrorists. <clears throat> It's a very, very dangerous and slippery slope. That can't be. That can't be happening. Right, and now, so now, someone who's just misinformed, sharing the wrong information, or disinformed based on what is considered disinformation by a gatekeeper. Because now, when they're saying that there is misinformation and disinformation, who decides what is misinformation and disinformation? The National Terrorism Advisory System, Daddy, and Security. Right. So now, all of a sudden, now there's a gatekeeper that they decide what you're saying is considered terrorist or not. That's one of Tulsi's points is that she basically put it as the establishment elites. They just think we're too stupid as people to be able to figure out what's good, what's bad, what's wrong, what's right. And so what I think that leads a lot to is these lies, these outright lies that the establishment media tells us. I'll go back to it a, a million times over the lies multiple times that we're told about Joe Rogan. You know, if they're going to lie about Joe Rogan, a fucking comedian who does a little podcast and and maybe talks to some controversial people, if they're going to lie about him and what he says, does, or is, what the hell else are they going to lie about? You know what I mean? And that that's, that's uh, I think that was a big part of, of Tulsi's point. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's basically what she was saying. You know, she... It was uh, when there's gatekeepers that are deciding on what's true and what's false. And like, we're not talking about science. 
you know, science is proven true or false by like mathematical equations and the scientific method and stuff like that. But when it comes to just weird opinions and that people have, are they fucking idiots? Sure. on some of their opinions and things like that, but we don't just can't just deem them terrorists because they're wrong. So now we're in a society to where if you're wrong, you're a terrorist or the parts that are left out, right? You know, the, the whole, during the whole COVID narrative, it was, you know, we got to save lives. We got to stop people from getting the virus. And you know, that's all well and good, but there's another side to this, which is body autonomy. Number one, the fact that there, there have been, regardless of how small there have been some vaccine injuries. Okay. Regardless of how small, you know, and, and you can argue about those numbers all day long. It's a fact that they've happened. And and the third thing is, you know, the, the the early lockdowns. And I know I know here in the U.S. and especially here in Michigan, being a purple state is great because, you know, both parties kind of have to do what you do what you want or somebody. Uh, I'm currently calling the FBI on you, Dan, for, <laughs> for spreading disinformation. <laughs> no, but it's you know, it, I I, I kind of forgot where I was going. Oh no, the the, the third point was the way the lockdowns hurt people economically, you know, particularly in Canada, you know, and I understand we haven't been locked down in a while. We're pretty fortunate here in, in Michigan, but there are certain States. I mean, kids, kids wearing masks and having basically their development stunted. I mean, that's, that's been shown to be, I wouldn't say true the, the, the I'm sure the data is ongoing. Yeah. I mean, literacy, good. literacy rates are down. IQ is down. I guess there's less empathy being shown with children when you can't see someone's expressions. You don't know what you're saying. To that you know what i mean like facial all, expressions with people is one of the biggest communicators that we have and that's all either swept under the rug or labels disinformation or misinformation because we have to get these vaccines rolled out right and i'm not and i'm not saying this that like like uh that a lot of the people in the health industry and stuff like that when they were uh putting in different stipulations and mandates and stuff was some of the money driven very, very quite possibly, but a lot of it was, I think just people were scared. They didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what they're supposed to do. But the problem is, is when you're create when you're doing an action and you're creating and you're uh, doing something, you know, like doing these different mandates and stuff, what keeps things ongoing and progressive and working is outside voices commenting and criticizing it and saying, Hey, there might be a better way to do this and this and that. But instead of that happening, during this course of live science, like live virtual live scientific method happening in front of us the last two years, any outside outliers or outside voices trying to give opinions on maybe how to better the system were just cast aside as misinformation, disinformation, uh, conspiracy theorists, and everything like that. And who knows, maybe if we took what some of these people were saying with a grain of salt, we might have actually gone further ahead quicker. Yeah, I mean, essentially doing what we try to do on this show, which is, oh, shit, never thought about it that way. Let's have a look at this. Because you know what the opposite is? It's going back to like, you know, hate to bring Ukraine up again, but the opposite of this is when there's one gatekeeper uh, controlling all the streams of information, you have people in Russia who don't even know that Ukraine's being invaded. They think it's a peacekeeping operation. They don't know that, like, what's being reported of thousands of Russian soldiers dying over there. They finally admitted to 450. The Russia uh, government did itself. Mm -hmm. Ukraine is like adding a zero to that. 
yeah and then you know the sanctions hurting the people and not the you know the oligarchs or whatever right and like and when there's one stream of of one stream of information they can spin that however they want yeah america's bad see look what they did to us yeah and then on the the flip side of that now here we are we're blocking uh real talk or like the rt russia news and we're blocking all their news here which isn't good either i'd rather hear if, if putin speaks i'd rather hear their translators relaying the message of because you know there's more correspondence we're gonna get <laughs> the message in the english is gonna be exactly what putin wants you to hear mm-hmm. not it filtered through our media right putting a spin on it with you know what like you understand what i'm saying like if there's a translator over here that already doesn't like putin he knows he's a piece of shit he's gonna add a tone he's gonna add words to make him sound more aggressive and make him sound worse than he is over there, they're going to put a light spin on it and make him seem sensible and things like that. And I want to hear both of those because then I'm going to be able to create a more solid based opinion. Mm-hmm. They release articles in English. It's not for the Russians. <laughs> it's for us to read. It's them giving us information. And that information is just as important as our information. Well, I guess I can, I can tie this back into uh, Tulsi's speech, which is that, uh, you know, Tulsi Gabbard's a Russian asset, Corey. Oh yeah, she's been called a Russian. Yeah, Hillary Clinton was right. <laughs> she did say that in her speech, right? She did. Yeah, yeah. She. Uh, what did you What did you think overall? Uh, uh, of overall, her speech, I liked it. You know, it's it was true to form. It was literally Tulsi speaking. Just she's a real like constitutionalist, mm-hmm. which you is know, not and it's a left wing thing at all. Which is not a left wing thing, but it's really funny because I don't even think the right wing is either. When no, she was deep down, because she got pretty intricate into what like different people were saying, like according to the constitution. And there was like the lack of like applause and excitement from the group for things. When I heard her say that, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> you, I, like, hearing it. You, you would have been in there with like Lauren Bobert and Marjorie Taylor. <laughs> going, yeah, <laughs> like I, cheering, yeah. holding her sign and stuff like that. I would have brought the poster <laughs> and uh, it was just going right over their heads. And I'm like, wait. This why are you guys like they cheered like don't get me wrong they treated her nice they cheered for her at different things and stuff like that but there were certain things that she talked about intrinsic values and it was uh it went right over their heads oh and then another one I noticed too when she said that uh, when she was talking about the uh, the 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 uh, the homeland security release from February seventh mm-hmm. when she was like now replace the word government with church. <laughs> and you're talking and she was like you're talking about a a, uh, a sectarian you know authoritarian group that's telling you like whatever you're saying outside of what we want to be said is wrong and that's a threat well and it's that's that's the whole point because i've thought this for a long time like right now because you know we've got this crazy culture war going on and we've got you know the, I, I call them the phony leftists uh, in charge, you know, the, 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 the Democratic establishment, you know, throwing out these like wokeism distractions, all the culture war nonsense, mm-hmm. uh, because we have that going on. It's really easy to miss the fact that it's not that conservatives are necessarily about free speech or anti-censorship. They're not at all. They just want their own censorship 
You know, I, I look I look at Trump's new new thing, uh, uh, social truth. media, the truth social. First, of you all. know, we're still in the queue waiting. I I created an account for us. Oh, seriously? <laughs> yeah, we're still in the queue waiting. Oh, that's funny. Uh, but it, and, first of all, calling it truth social. Before I forget my point here, calling it truth social is really gross, just in and of itself. But you know, it's got it's got its own rules. You can't disparage Trump and you can't disparage the creators. You, you're going to, you're going to call that and you can't curse. You're going to call that for, you can't curse on there. I don't think you're not. I don't think you're allowed. I, could be allowed <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to curse. I think your, your posts get pulled down if you curse, but uh, I could be wrong about that. I, I don't want to, Maybe maybe a, a listener can correct me on that. That's actually gotten through to be on Truth Social, but it's like yeah, we're still number two hundred and one thousand three hundred thirty-two. This nonsense, this nonsense that the right is about free speech and and taking away censorship. And I think it's I think it's utter bullshit because they just want their own type of censorship. They want their own stuff to be out there and for the the the, the you know the socialist stuff to be censored. And and I and you and I that. We don't want either of those. Just things. as wrong, yeah. It's just as wrong, yeah. The blocking books and schools, trying to block sort of like any like teaching curriculums and things like that. It's just as wrong as the left disparaging people and trying to block people as well. Like, like, look what's happening right now. Imagine how much dumber Trump would look if he was on Twitter. Instead, we we're only getting his one speech from CPAC. A couple little things when he's talking about Putin. Like, imagine how much of a fucking idiot he'd look like right now on Twitter. But instead, he doesn't get to expose his idiocracy. So now, when 2024 rolls along, it's just rolls along. It's just one more thing that people are going to forget about. And then you're going to have people taking to social media again, going, "But mean tweets, but mean tweets." I, I, mm. I just, I love how, I love how his supporters think that that's the only reason people don't like him. Because he's a mean tweeter, I couldn't give a shit about his mean tweets. Right, <laughs> it don't bother me. It was the same day. thing. It let us know where his fucking head was at. Was it a little chaotic? Sure. Was he an idiot for posting every single goddamn thing while sitting on the shitter? Absolutely. But <laughs> regardless of that, oh god, could you imagine what Trump's shits were like? I'm just picturing that. It was all fast food, like an overgrown baby. I picture my early twenties when all I ate was fast food and well done steak with ketchup. It's a steak, isn't it? Yes, it is. That's how you know he's crazy. And that's how you know he's a fucking psycho. Who the hell eats their steak well done with ketchup? Only a sociopath. And then he didn't he try to create a steak company? We digress. Um, I wanted to bring up this point because I think you agree with this, Corey, with regards to Tulsi's speech at CPAC. Conservatives using Tulsi to appear centrist. Oh, yeah. She's definitely being really well. Yeah. They're definitely using her as a... uh, a piece, which I don't think she gives a shit. You know, like everyone's like, oh, she's always on Fox News. Oh, now she's at CPAC. And it's like, well, when's the last time she's been invited on CNN or MSNBC? Because I'm sure she'll go on there too. You yeah. Know? And I, the, the reason that was, I'm sitting there and I'm listening to Tulsi talk about um, these these issues of, of free speech. And um, what were the other things that I had said she was talking Corruption. Fourth Amendment rights to privacy and right above, you know, this this very, um, I, I would guess, I would call it maybe constitutional populism, if that's a thing. Maybe I just invented something different. Maybe I just invented a new type of populism. Um, but then I'm looking as they pan out the, or they, they, they zoom out the camera and I'm looking and, and everywhere I'm seeing the CPAC slogan for this year, 
which was which is awake, not woke. <laughs> like, really, really, and you're you're gonna sit there and pretend that Tulsi Gabbard be like that is such a that is such a a, a pokey, spiky little slogan for them to use. But you're gonna yeah, sit there and pretend that that uh, Tulsi Gabbard's one of us, and we're very centrist, and we you know. I've I've coined a new thing after I actually read Ben Shapiro's review of the Batman last night, which I actually went and saw last night. And I've I've coined myself a new term. You know, everybody talks about Trump's Trump derangement syndrome, Corey. Yeah, I got a new one. Woke derangement syndrome. <laughs> People on the right are looking for a wokeism <laughs> everywhere. When they're constantly posting about this this swimmer from uh a pen or whatever this this transgender swimmer which i think is wrong honestly i think it's wrong that she gets to compete against these biological women but like it's it's not like you would think that it's happening everywhere you would think that it that that's that things like that are are at every college in the entire country in every women's sport like there's like there's women that are gonna like like there's biological men that are going to compete in the women's ncaa tournament this year in march it's just it's not that big a deal, and these people look for it everywhere. Ben Shapiro even had the audacity. Well, it's the media poses it as an existential crisis. That if it happens here once, it's going to happen everywhere. Oh, of course, yeah. You it's a, it's a sl- everything's a slippery slope with with the right. Have you noticed that? Everything's a slippery slope, and there are certain things that really are a slippery slope, like you know, calling protesters terrorists. That really is a slippery slope. You don't want to be doing yeah. that. Uh, but not everything's a slippery slope. Yeah, you know, it's uh and back to Tulsi real quick. Um when we talk about her being there and then everyone saying now she's a conservative or whatever. And you know what I was thinking about that and like I've had people say to me like, Oh, you know, your girl's a conservative now and stuff like that, like it's some sort of jab. Right. Where it's like, Oh, she's a Republican now, she's not a Democrat anymore. And you're like, here's here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say this is where they're mis- making a miscalculation. It's like I don't give a fuck. <laughs> whether there's a D or an R next to her name. I vote for her and I supported her uh, campaign in 2020 and volunteered for it even because of the fact of like what she says. It doesn't matter if she's a Republican or a Democrat. Like if the Republicans, if the face of the Republican party now is Tulsi Gabbard, then that's the be- one of the best goddamn things that can happen to this country. Why are people mad about that? Imagine if there was more Tulsi's in the Republican Party, pragmatic, constitutionalist, conservationalist, talking about trying to get off fossil fuels, <laughs> talking about renewable energy, talking about uh, uh, taking care of the free market and giving people better wages. She was an advocate for Andrew Yang's $1,000 UBI. Like, are we talking about a huge transfer of the Republican Party? Why are you mad? Here's why. Here's why people are mad. Because it, again, it always goes. It always comes back to culture war. Always the tribalism. If, if there, if there is one thing that Tulsi Gabbard believes in that is considered leftist, I'll get the, the a great example would be Andrew Yang's thousand dollar a month UBI. The guy that wants to give money away to the lazy people. The, everybody focuses on that one thing. There could be ninety nine things that conservatives would support when it comes to Tulsi Gabbard, but that one thing, that one thing makes her a socialist. And then, and this, you, you see the same shit, you see the same shit on the left, which is, you know, which is one of the reasons, you know, Joe Rogan got dragged through the mud so many times. He's, he's so far to the left, but he's got a couple conservative things. Like he's, you know, pro second amendment. Oh, 
He's he's over there. He's on the right. He's a bad person. That that's and it all it always comes back to that culture war. That's yep. why people are mad. Because you have Absolutely. to agree with everything <laughs> silo. You have to check the group thing. Every single box. Or you're one of them. You and check. I think that's an example of why Tulsi is hard to pin down because here she is, one of the only Republicans that is across the spectrum on all sorts of things. And it's interesting that the Republicans embrace her for the 99% of her shit. Or not even, I wouldn't even want to say 99% of her shit, but like. Yeah, but you know why? Because they do, because. Because it owns the libs. Conservatives do a much better job of just taking people that the that the libs, the, the, the limousine liberals cast aside as outcasts. And they just scoop them up. Say, oh, yep, you're one of us now. Yeah. So but you mean to tell me anyone who was like talking about how Tulsi had this great message then that message hasn't really changed. It's just the conversation changed. So you're hearing different parts of her talking points. Mm-hmm. You mean to tell me that people are going to choose, like if she ran for president as a Republican, that the independents or the people who are like that, that are fed up with the democratic party are still going to vote for Joe Biden. I guess, cause he's only democratic and not for her, even though there's an R next to her name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're probably. Right. What will happen? Are you kidding me? <laughs> People don't have well, independence in their silos. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Joe Biden is this unbelievably progressive president, you know, because he does something that we're about to talk about next, which is is uh, nomination of a, a black woman to the Supreme Court. And again, we said this before the nomination even came through if his entire plan was to nominate a black woman that's great that's fine don't say that yeah just do it just go out and do it you don't have to you're you're taking away everything that the woman herself has done all of her achievements and stuff and cubby holding her coming cubby holding her into just a token black woman yep you know and it's like the one that is actually being nominated, Contenji Jackson Brown, which is a phenomenal nomination. Brown Jackson. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Contenji Brown Jackson, which is a phenomenal nomination. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is now because of the fact that the rhetoric before this was about uh, electing a black person. Now her, now she's going to go drag through the dirt because all of this, like, oh, she's only getting elected because she's black. When it's like, ah, that fucking sucks because this woman... It's a really fucking good Supreme Court. Which I think I think there are factions of conservatives that would have said that regardless. Even but, if it wasn't put out into the open. Even if Biden hadn't just come out and said it, which he did, but that just gives them even more fodder to make her Supreme Court nomination all about race. And I and I will say this based on her record, I have I'm I'm pretty happy with this nomination. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really mean a whole lot it's better than the Michelle Childs option. Of course it is. And it doesn't mean a whole lot because it's it's still replacing a liberal seat on the Supreme Court. So it's not like, you know, you're not gaining any 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 ground. Right. Court if you if you if you call yourself a liberal. Um, yeah, the, the court isn't going to be swayed from minority to majority with this election. Um, but or this selection, she does seem to be a pick that's for the workers. Um, she was a. a public defender at one point i believe so you gotta yeah. believe she's gonna be pretty reasonable on uh crime she's ruled in cases for and against obama she's ruled in cases for and against trump mm-hmm. 
uh, she's really stuck to the constitution and the law and made in like win against corporations based on law and things like that. Like she's been pro labor in a couple issues. Uh, she's just overall a pretty good unbiased. Uh, you could even say almost like constitutionalist populist, you know, coined your term right there, used it or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, compared to the contrast of uh, Michelle Childs, who has a terrible uh, prosecuting record of putting people for drug possession stuff away for the maximum uh, count. She voted in favor of, um, let me see what I can find it right here. You had it at the tip of your tongue, didn't you? Yeah. She's voted in favor of corporations over different things. Um, yeah, so like, for example, Childs has made two decisions related to nuclear reactor facilities in South Carolina. First, in August 2018, Childs refused to enjoin county to enjoin the county. County second, in December 2021, Childs refused to block a vaccine mandate. Oh, no. So what she did, she failed to enjoin a state law that forced a state utility to cut customers' rates after the failed construction of two new nuclear plants in Fairfield County. So... Like, but from what I read about that is the uh, they raise the rates of uh, of uh, utilities to help with the construction of these nuclear reactors. But then, never after the built. nuclear reactors never developed, yeah. she did she didn't uh, enforce a state law to cut the rates in favor of the nuclear companies, essentially to give people their money back. Yep, and then she also refused to block a vaccine mandate for workers at a South Carolina nuclear facility. And she wrote the company did not have to continue employing people who refused to get vaccinated. And then she also received criticism from the American prospect regarding her criminal rulings. But yeah, yeah, she's a strong arm, you know, like here she is. Never mind body autonomy, never mind individuality or personal Liberty. You know what I've always found interesting particularly since um, Trump made his two nominations or three now, right? He made three. He had carrot. Uh, was it Gorsuch, Kavanaugh and, and Barrett? Barrett. Yeah. Uh, what I've noticed is that the, the freak out over these nominations, I understood the freak out over the, the Trump nominations, especially the Barrett nomination, because that was just like, all right, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, just please don't die. Please, please just don't die. <clears throat> yeah. So and the court kind of balanced. But then once she the did, hypocrisy I, of it, of them ramming it through in three weeks when Obama, they blacked him for six months. Yeah. And but what, what I always find interesting is like, it's just it's just never as bad as we think. Like, I, I, I was a little bit nervous about Amy Coney Barrett, but like looking at her record since joining the court, it's not been really ridiculously bad even if you consider yourself a even liberal. kavanaugh yeah even kavanaugh you're right absolutely which the least it's funny because the least one i was concerned about was barrett because when i looked up her record and stuff on her voting she seemed very constitutionalist and that's I, all we and that's all we can really ask for with I the federal courts liberals get nervous because ultimately th this is where conservatives get something right when they when they actually go to the polls to vote conservatives actually vote based on the Supreme court. They give a shit about the Supreme court. For some reason, liberals don't until they have to. And I don't yeah. understand why that, why that has, has always been the case. And now they kind of have to, and they're fucked because when you're talking about, you know, 
the, this Roe v. Wade ruling coming down the pipeline. I honestly, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I would like to think that even this conservative court is going to uphold that law because of, of the backlash that's going to come from it. The precedent. Yeah. The precedent that it's going to set. Um, but I, I just don't know. And it's like a, you know, you know, you know, long live Ruth Bader Ginsburg. There's lots of reasons to love her, but dude, she should have walked away during the Obama administration. She should have retired. Then she was getting old. This, this whole conversation about the court would never have happened if she had stepped down, allowed Obama to replace her with a younger person. And, you know, we wouldn't even have Amy Coney Barrett on the, on the court. And, well, and that's I, why what's his face is probably retiring now. I'm sure it's a forced retiree. He's was his name? Steyer. It's Steyer. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about that today too. Like how, uh, how the Supreme court has kind of flexed its muscles recently in solidifying its own power against an ever encroaching executive president. Yeah, Stephen Breyer's retirement. He's getting old. I, I like you don't you don't want to make that you don't want to make that mistake twice. No, there's a reason they're gonna have a very conservative court. There's a reason uh, they're getting he's 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 jumping out of there before you know the, the, the Democrats have to see the writing on the wall here uh when it comes to the twenty twenty two midterms. Oh yeah, that's one of the greatest uh canaries in the coal mines is Steyer stepping down. You, you keep combining his first name and his last name. His name's yeah, Steve Breyer. You keep calling Steve him Steyer. Yes, yeah, Steyer. Yeah, yeah, he's Team Steyer. Breyer. Yeah, Breyer. <laughs> That's funny though. That I've heard you make I've heard you make worse worse things. Um <laughs> we actually haven't even really talked about the race baiting angle of this. We we touched on it a bit. I think it's because we're so both annoyed by it. Yeah, it's going to happen. What what yeah, I don't even know what we can say. <laughs> yeah, we, already, we already know what both sides are going to say. Yeah, that the right is racist for bringing up race and the and the right is going to say the left is uh, only doing it because of race. Yeah, it's it's you're, they're tr- they're trying to make the court woke, <laughs> <laughs> woke derangement syndrome. Is that the red pill, blue pill? I guess we can we can roll with that. Yeah. All right, real quick, I'm just going to take the bullet. You're gonna- <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's it's only March fifth. Uh, I guess I'll swallow the blue pill because. There really, there will be at least on the far right some, some, some underlying racial undertones too. Yeah, you're probably right, actually. Brown Jackson. Um, I take it back. I need some CPR. <laughs> uh, I think we're gonna close out the show here. Uh, this is uh, gonna take a little while, so I'm just gonna bring up uh, the things that have disappeared since Russia invaded Ukraine, Corey. <laughs> things, isn't it amazing how things in the news just disappear when some, when the new boogeyman comes? We've got yep. COVID. We've got the Durham report. We've got the Freedom Convoy and quote-unquote domestic terrorism. We've got inflation, but that'll be back very, very soon. Yeah. Different reasons. And we've also got uh, Jeffrey Epstein. As just- oh, yeah. His boy. What was his name? Durlac or something like that. Jean Jean Luc Brunel. He was. Uh, I, I love how people use the term "suicided." It's such a great term, even though it's yeah, not he real. Was suicided. Suicided in prison, uh, and it's so interesting because I was telling you that uh, I think it was like February eighteenth. He was dead in jail, uh, and basically, what I, I actually knew more about this guy, I think, than most, because I was watching uh, Vice's documentary series dark side of the 90s 
maybe a week before this happened. And in one of the episodes, it's all about the um, the supermodel business in the nineties. Cause it was huge, right? You had, so, you had these global superstars that were supermodels. You know, you talk about the Cindy Crawford's and the Heidi Klum's and the Naomi Campbell's uh, and, and various others. And, but they talk That's a name. Lot. I haven't heard in a while. Naomi Campbell. Naomi Campbell. I guess she's kind of crazy, but I don't know. Um, so this, the whole episode is about how those major world famous supermodels, they got the, you know, the a one treatment, right? They were paid all bunch, all, all this kind of money. They got all this exposure, you know, they were never really, um, caught in the dark underbelly of what these modeling agencies do, which is basically, uh, I, I don't want to go as deep. I, I didn't want to go as deep as to say that it was a sex trafficking ring other th- until, until you find out that Jean-Luc Brunel is real good buddies with Jeffrey Epstein. So yeah, he, uh, uh Epstein was quoted. Let's go ahead. Sorry. I'm, I'm just going to set it up real quick. This Jean-Luc Brunel, he owned the biggest modeling agency in Paris during the nineties. He opened one in Miami too. Yep, and in uh, he basically was I've I've called him the underaged girl conveyor belt for Jeffrey Epstein and his and his little underground uh, business transactions, if you will. That's really what it was, you know. Like all the fingers that were in there, you know. Like was it Prince Charles, uh, Prince Andrew? God damn it! You every, know, every single time I say <laughs> Prince Charles over Prince Andrew, Prince Charles is the racist. Prince Andrew is the pedophile. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Okay. That's how I remember. You like how I remember the royal family? Chuck the racist. (laughs) Prince Chuck. Chuck the racist and Drew the pedo. (laughs) Andy the pedo. And uh, yeah. And like there was an out of court settlement with uh, Gouffre with uh, Andrew. Um, And I guess she, she's said, you know, that Epstein used to brag about like literally banging thousands of uh, what's his face, Jacques girls, Jean Luc Brunel, Brunel, yeah. I guess Epstein used to brag about banging all of his girls or whatever, and they were just in cahoots together, moving sex trafficking women all over the world. And it sucks that the Ghislaine Maxwell trial was a flop. Like, granted, we got we didn't get much from it, but like she was the fall person. Brunel is dead. Epstein is dead. We really aren't going to see much yeah, from this left? trafficking thing. Yeah. And what really pisses me off, too, when we're talking about conspiracy theorists and stuff like this, when you got wind and started to talk in your communities about a, a child sex trafficking ring, why did you have to make it so fucking crazy? Yeah. Pizza where none of us believed you. Yep. Keep yep. your bearings. Keep it in an even keel. You know what I mean? Like, let's fucking talk. Like, obviously now there is absolutely a sex trafficking ring, and I promise you it hasn't gone away. Mm-hmm. Just the faces have changed, but the media is not going to talk about it. We pinned who we could. We killed who was going to talk, and they're just going to take that book and put it up on the shelf, and we're not going to hear about this shit anymore. Well, they, they take it so much further. This is this is where, you know, when, when you talk about the, the QAnon-style conspiracy theorists, right, they they make it they just take it so far like there can still be a conspiracy right there can still be right. this giant elite sex trafficking ring but when they turn it into this idea that everybody's involved 
<laughs> Only Democrats are involved. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, because they ignore the fact that Donald Trump was was buddies with Epstein. It's <laughs> just conveniently yeah. ignore that. Ignore they, that. They point. exploit Clinton being a friend, but ignore but that, Trump being that a friend. Go back to something that we talk about a lot on this show, which is that you know the the, the establishment is the establishment. It doesn't matter whether Demo- whether they're Democrats or Republicans. They both want the same thing. They want you and I fighting with each other. They want you blaming your neighbor. Well, they can keep COVID. stuff in their pockets. Yep. They want you blame. Yeah, they want you blaming your neighbor for being an asshole for not getting a vaccine, so that the shit that they're doing can, can, <coughs> can stay under wraps. Yeah, obviously dis- distractions and things like that. That's true. And they talk about that stuff, and they talk about you know psyops and distractions and the hidden hands and stuff like that, and all of that stuff is true. But in the same breath, they also talk about PizzaGate and a glo- and you know on this. Uh, uh, what's that one thing that they talk about? Interdimensional child molesters. Interdimensional child molesters. They're lizard, lizard people. Lizard people. Uh, no, they talk about uh, what's the secret The secret meetings they say they have. There's one, I forget what it's called, but they supposedly they all go and uh, sacrifice kids and stuff like that. Oh, the uh, what is it? Bohemian Grove? Yeah. like they, they bring that up in the same breath, and it's like, okay, listen, you can believe that. I'm not telling you you can't. But you're really hurting your own argument. You're you're you're, you're bringing up too much. You're, you're you're exposing too much of your hand talking about that when you're talking about like tangible things here. It's just too deep of a dive. Like you you can have a decent conspiracy theory that is based in logic. Right. I mean, this idea that Jeffrey Epstein was in was in cahoots with very very powerful people. We don't know exactly whom. We have suspicions of some. Um. To, to to basically uh, hold power over them by putting them in a compromised position, having sex with underage girls. Um, you can have this Jean-Luc Brunel guy basically being his farm system, uh, yeah. using his modeling agency to do so. Like, that is a conspiracy. That's and a conspiracy, but it's, it's grounded in some sort of logic. Yeah. Like, what are the chances of two people involved in one of the biggest uncovered sex trafficking rings being suicided while locked away in a prison cell? It just doesn't seem very plausible, Corey. (laughs) (laughs) Right? That's what I was saying before the show, how we need to uh, make tinfoil hats. So when we talk about anything that's not completely 100% grounded. You know what it is, Corey? I I figured this out a a while ago. It's people need simple explanations for complex situations. And it's just so easy to go. There's these few elites at the top that control everything. They control our brains. They control the internet. They control our minds. They control, you know, it's, it's, you know, these lizard people. It's just, it's, it's a simple explanation for a scary thing. That's very, very complex. When in reality, it's just never that simple. It never is. And that's funny because I actually just found a meme that I wanted to share on the page about that. And it's, uh, I'll describe it real quick. You ever seen that meme of the one girl walking and then the guy is with the turn other girl and he's turning around and looking yeah. and she has this look like, what the fuck? And it says, uh, it, like the guy looking is, you know, like the, uh, the American populace. And then the one that he's looking at is uh, a simple explanation. That's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one's a complex and a complex answer. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Exactly. It's just this need for simple answers. That's how QAnon got started. You know, that's, that's all that stuff. It's, and it's just never, it's just, it's always more complex than that. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. 
Uh, what else did what else did the world forget about? Oh, 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 oh! Hacking of the Freedom Convoy donors, Corey. We really wanted to talk about this one. Oh yeah, the double standard of that is absolutely insane. So, p- real quick, picture me with you, if you will. In 2020, when the BLMs were happening and people were given to GoFundMe, how much would people lose their shit if is if uh, all if all the people that donated to the different GoFundMe uh, Black Lives Matter uh, charity races or charities, how much would the people on the right lose their mind, or how much people on the left would they lose their mind if they were hacked and all of that information was doxed? They would be pissed, and people on the right would be like, "Well, they deserve it. They're criminals. Yeah, they're terrorists. They're domestic terrorists." Well, now we have this guy. His name is. I just had it. Uh, Aubrey Cottle. And he was the one that was bragging. Should I share the video of this unhinged fucker? Sure. I don't I, I don't remember actually watching this. This might be the first time I've seen it. Oh, okay. I yeah, can't show you this guy. My Bloody Mary's gone. So this guy. Look at him getting all fired up, reading the comments. <laughs> Nothing scares me. Nothing. So this is the hacker. Yes, I doxed the truckers. I did it. It was me. I hacked Give, Send, Go, baby. And I do it again. <laughs> and your little dog, too. <laughs> I do it a hundred times. I did it. I did it. Come at me! What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do to me, huh? Why is he doing that? I don't know. He's he's like dancing like a video game character on pause. I hacked Parlor! I hacked Gab! I hacked Truth Social! I hacked Go! Gibson, go! I don't care! I'm. You can literally put my name into the news tab on Google, and you can find everything I've done. <sighs> I am literally in every mainstream media publication for the things that I do. I'm not an unknown actor. I'm literally a famous fucking cyber terrorist. <laughs> you, you can scare me. <sighs> All right, you can you can stop it. Look you at that stop. face. But yeah, so this guy literally well, just I I admitted. Just I just want to point out that when he's when he's waiting for the next, when he's sitting there like breathing heavy, like he's like a video game character on pause, <laughs> <laughs> like waiting for the response of "Do you say yes or no?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and but yeah, so he uh, he fucking so he went and hacked them, and now this was a independent company that had their information hacked. Yeah, so it happened, though. Mm-hmm. It did happen. The information was doxxed. He's claiming credit for it, and he's saying that he also hacked these other places. So now, that's from the article on the Gray Zone by the author, uh, Kit, Clar- Kit Clarenberg. And there's reports that this guy, he bragged about working with the FBI, the CIA. And so this guy is able to walk around freely bragging about this type of hacking type stuff. 
and they're just letting it happen. With meanwhile, we have other people who have released information that are literally dying in in prisons and uh, hiding in countries like Russia for doing the ex- essentially the exact same thing. And now I'm talking about Assange and Snowden. There's Chelsea Manning. You know, there's a guy like Michael Hastings who uh, died in a car crash. There's all these different people who did essentially the same thing that are just completely cast aside as lepers of society. And this guy is sitting at his house at TikTok having a weird, I don't know what you'd even call that, a breakdown. Because, or Because it didn't go against the establishment. It went for the establishment. Yeah, he's an establishment crony. And here he is just completely breaking laws for the government. Yeah, numerous times he stated working for government agencies in the past. And, you know, nothing happens to him. Exactly. And that's not just the hypocrisy that I wanted to bring up with this. Even Ilhan Omar you know, lefty from the squad came out and says, I fail to see why a, any journalist felt the need to report on the shop owners making such an insignificant donation rather than to get rather to get them harassed. People donating like 40 bucks were being reached out by different websites. Like, why did you donate? Why did you donate to this group? And it's just absolutely insane to me. Like she went on to say that, uh, I wish journalists wrote the articles they think they are writing. Dude, that's I'm like, sorry to say it, but your stories aren't always balanced and often have a clear political bias. Your stories aren't uh, aren't always balanced and have a clear political bias. Calling out, calling it out isn't. Oh, okay, yeah. So then she called out uh, one of the websites that was publishing this, and she said to them, she said, uh, "Sorry to say it, but your stories aren't always balanced and often have a clear political bias. Calling it out isn't harassment or journal bashing." Yeah, they then she tried to say that she was harassing them or saying she was journalist bashing. She goes, everyone has a right to critique your story and its merits. And then she says, I fully read the article multiple times, and I still don't believe there was merit to the story as reported other than further harassment. You are all are entitled to your opinions, but my opinion remains the same. These kinds of stories ruin people's lives and are uncalled for. So here is her being the adult in the room, you know, that crazy leftist socialist. Actually right. holding, you know, and so I wanted to give her props for that. That was actually, she said a lot of crazy shit that I would disagree with. But in this moment, Ilhan Omar hit her right on the money. Yeah. credit. What did you gain from that? What did you gain from finding out some 60-year-old woman gave $40 to some truckers so they could buy some gas for their car to keep it warm while they were standing up against their government in a protest that is protected by their constitutional violence because it's another person you, you it's it's another way to prove it's just another uh, another tally mark in the uh, white supremacy uh group <laughs> the, it's like a whiteboard we're checking off all the white supremacists here we gotta make sure we get them all yeah, and then saying it just it's just frustrating how good for me but not for the type attitudes that we see all over our country and the hypocrisy flip it and reverse it man you know, we say that on the show often that like whenever you have a good argument, make Elliot said it best. Make an argument. What'd she say? <laughs> oh, you say yeah, flip it, reverse it. Yeah, anytime you think you have a good argument, now make that make in your head an argument against that. Yeah. What is the best argument for the opposite for the opposition of, of your particular opinion? And if people take the time and do that, they might actually see that a lot of times what they're falling for is just political rhetoric and hyperpartisan party pandering bullshit that's it and then uh the other housekeeping things uh my monologue oh get after it so get a batter 
<laughs> it's kind of funny. So this is kind of cheating. Uh, I had to write a report for class and uh, it was on different things like business as business aspects in the uh, throughout the book or whatever. And being a part of this show, I decided to dive into business ethics and specifically whistleblowing. And so I found an article. Oh, I'm here. What the hell happened there? I clicked the wrong thing. Oh. I'm waiting for you to start so I can give you the whole Oh, okay. And I'm, yeah, I was just giving down the, the rundown. So I found this article called Revealed Credit Swiss Leaks Unmasked Criminals, Fraudsters, and Corrupt Politicians. And so without further ado, here goes me. <clears throat> Whistleblowers and unethical behavior. I believe that Swiss banking secrecy laws are immoral. These are the words of an anonymous whistleblower who leaked information about 30,000 credit Swiss clients. From the publication, The Guardian, an article posted on February 20th, 2022, reti- titled, Revealed, Credit Swiss Leak Unmasked Criminals, Fraudsters, and Corrupt Politicians. The article goes into great detail regarding the unsavory to downright criminal characters the bank has been deciding to do business with. While scouring the internet using keywords like unethical behavior, leading to many articles relating to the issue, I honestly became frustrated. Is unethical behavior really this blatant and widespread? How do we stop it? A quick reference to the textbooks led to a search of whistleblower, where I have found the aforementioned article. Expanding a little more on the article, it explains that the Swiss bank's lack of due diligence has led to widespread failures in its promises to disassociate what the, banks called, what the bank calls dubious and illicit client funds. And a trend over decades to the point that the known secret of their business relationships with criminals has made it into pop culture references in movies and songs. The unethical behavior by the bank leaves the door open for clients involved in human trafficking, murder, corruption, and torture, along with a host of other heinous acts to operate in the banking system and launder money. From politicians to corporate executives and even a cardinal form from the Vatican, the vast number of clients from all over the world are taking advantage of Switzerland's strict banking secrecy laws. The secrecy law criminalizes the disclosure of client, client banking information to foreign authorities, attracting nefarious people from all over the world. In an attempt to circumvent the laws protecting people hiding their money, the anonymous whistleblower arguably took a moral rights approach and hacked the bank's records and released the information to a German news outlet, explaining a work environment of plausible deniability by looking the other way and not writing down information that could be considered them that could consider them culpable. The ethical dilemma of breaking the country's laws to shed light on the behind-the-scenes corruption is an illegal but subjectively noble action to bring accountability and integrity to the Swiss banking system. In this action, the whistleblower is shedding light on an ongoing issue of offshore tax havens used by corrupt politicians and other wealthy criminals taking advantage of a system designed to benefit their own special interests. I believe it is critically important that the international banking system works towards strengthening whistleblower protections. In a free market, there is no room for an oligarchy to have a lower set of standards to operate by, operate by while the rest of the world must follow much stricter laws and regulations on a day-to-day basis. Strengthening these protections will create accountability, which will lead to integrity. This will lead to a byproduct of a healthier economy, where the playing field of a free market and a capitalist society for the average citizen is fair versus the scales being tipped to oligarchs, self-serving politicians, and wealthy elite. As I move up in the, as I move up in the corporate world, I hope to continue to develop a post-conventional moral stance on issues that are seen as morally abject and not afraid to speak out against unethical behavior. Hopefully leading by this example will still an ethical work environment, not only among any subordinates, but also upper management that I answer to. So it's, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so like you can see there was kind of a, a spin towards an actual 
thing for my school or whatever. But I think the point still stands that here we are again. What's good for me is not good for thee as all of these different people are just putting money in Swiss banks and hiding them offshores to launder money and all sorts of stuff. And we're talking about people like uh, Ronald Shu, who was a guy in the stock market who was doing uh, a bunch of uh, shady shit. Edward Siebel, who's a bright, who was bribing people. Um, Stefan Setterholm, who was a, was in like child porn and human trafficking and like, um, so yeah, it's, just all sorts of different people. Yeah. The Swiss are coming around, man. They, they've even, they've even thrown sanctions out on Russia. You know, you fucked up if the Swiss are coming after your ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now that, yeah. So now like they're throwing, uh, yeah, they're throwing shit behind an actual war when they've been like neutral for like hundred, what hundred years or so. Jesus Christ. They even kept Hitler's money and nobody got mad. They did, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're, they're the actual, they're the centrists of the planet, man. Right. <laughs> are pissed at you. You really. Yeah, they've, so they've on. had these laws since like 1800s. Yeah. Just, just laws of neutrality. Not necessarily the laws of neutrality, but the laws of like making it illegal that like, <clears throat> like, let's say, let's say Kim Jong-un walked into that bank and wanted to put money in. It would be illegal for people who work there to go to the, the law and go, hey, Kim Jong-un is putting money in this bank. That's illegal. They have to do it with whistleblowers. That's why I was an anonymous whistleblower in this case. Right. They basically have to break the law to but to bust these people. Yeah. They have to break That's why I think just when it comes to whistleblowers, when it comes to like people like Mark Felt, who was the guy from Watergate, Edward Snowden, Julian Assange, this whistleblower, the whistleblower with Purdue Pharma, all these different whistleblowers, they need protection. What's good for me is not good for thee. Also, don't you dare tell on me to whistleblowers, right? So if if you blow the whistle on, you know, um, something that say Trump did, that's good. That's good. That's the bad guy. We did that. That's that's the bad guy. But if you blow the whistle on some on you know Hunter Biden or anything any, anything on the on the on the quote unquote good guys side, oh yeah, you that's not okay. With that that whistleblower goes away. Like the like the laptop thing when they were trying to uh, bring criminal action against people involved in that, even though New York Times also reported on it. Yeah, it, it, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It, it, so and that's that's the whole thing with the, the with the Assange deal with the WikiLeaks deal is that it sets a precedent. If you are going to prosecute Julian Assange for being a whistleblower, well, you also have to prosecute the New York times. You know, if, if you're going to, if you're not going to call Assange, a, uh, a journalist, which from my understanding of journalism, you don't have to work for a mainstream publication. Like no, you and I freelance. Yeah. We're, we are technically journalists. We're here we're reporting shit. Yeah. So we're freelancers. Hire us. Where does that protection stop? <laughs> Where does that protection stop? Is the is the question? Does it stop with the establishment? Because that's the way it appears. Yeah, it stops when you go against the establishment. But the New York Times did that. They're not. They're, they're not. Nobody's trying to prosecute the New York Times. That's true. <laughs> you know probably, I bet you they won't keep it, but they sure as hell didn't keep reporting on it. That's true, but they did. And did I don't think Assange did either. It was just WikiLeaks. I could be wrong about that. There might have been more that I'm forgetting about. A boot. Did I just say that? Yeah. I was busy looking. I was looking but at cool. I think we cloud. cleared up a lot of uh Oh, and then we had some positive news. 
Oh, yeah. Let's get real quick. Real quick. Yeah, because I got to hop off here and babysit. Uh, so Bloomberg is reporting that Michigan has the number one U.S. economy and has grown the most in history. And Hail to the victors. Hail to the victors. Among 37 states with a population greater than 2 million, Michigan is number one based on equally weighted me- weighted measures of employment, personal income, home prices, mortgage delinquency, state tax revenue, and the stock market performance of its publicly traded companies. Bloomberg says Michigan, and then this is so you can really think. So this, when we go to talk about uh, biases and news articles and stuff like that, this is where it goes to its real real tilt. You ready? Let's see if you can catch this. Okay, I'm ready. Bloomberg says Michigan, since Governor Gretchen Whitmer took over, has become a standup for investors in the market for local government debt. State's AA rated bonds returned 5.6%. Since April 2020, outperforming neighboring Wisconsin, Indiana, and Ohio, as well as the entire municipal market, 5.3%, according to data compiled by Bloomberg, bonds issued by the Michigan Strategic Fund returned 15%, while those of the Detroit Downtown Development Project grant gained 14%. Ooh, that one hurts. Yeah, but do, did you, you see that? Right, uh, like, since Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're trying to prop up Whitmer, and look, I'm not really, I don't really have a whole lot of interest in speaking about her at the moment, but you know, the whole downtown project thing, this is something Charlie, the Duff's been talking about for fucking 20 years. You know, nobody gives a shit about the neighborhoods. Yeah. It's all downtown. Downtown Detroit looks fantastic. It really does. You go down there, you you, you know, you can have a good time. There's a lot of, yeah. I just had my son down there last Sunday. It's still, it's every time you go down there, there's something new being put in and stuff like that. Go two minutes outside into the neighborhoods and see if you feel the same way. Yeah. It's just shitholes it's ever been. And and those, I will tell you that people of Detroit, if you live there, you are the, the strongest people I know. I don't, I you know, right? And I know, and I know, and I know, I, I know a lot. Yeah. Of them, they don't have the means to, but most of them are still trying to get out. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, yeah, it sucks because like, like, so like where I work, we have a lot of people from the city, and uh, when there's a big snowfall, like downtown looks nice, you know, mm-hmm. nice snowfall, the sidewalks are salted and stuff. But guess what? We know that when there's a big snowfall forecasted, we try to uh, adjust like the production output for the day for that day because we know that we're going to have four or five employees that aren't going to be able to make it. They're just they just because they just can't just, get they out. can't they can't get out. Yeah, yeah. That that Woodward corridor is real nice though, isn't it? Right, it's and it's nice, things uh, like that that the city definitely needs. Really, really needs work on. Or I guess the strategy would be like I know what Doug and saying once about like. You get the money downtown, that gives us money for the rest of the city. Yeah, dude, it's it's you know what that is? That's a little that's a that's a small city municipal version of trickle down economics, and we yep. know it doesn't fucking work. Charlie LaDuff knows that doesn't work. He works downtown even. He does. He's a good man. I thought about if if my little guy wasn't uh if it wasn't so cold, I was thinking about walking the boy over there to Lafayette just to see if he was there. Wait, he's at wait, he's at American, right? Yeah, American Coney. Island. Yeah, he's at American Coney Island, right next door to Lafayette. Which, that's one, funny. which, which one are you? Are you a Lafayette to, guy or American guy? Oh, I'm not a big chili guy, so uh, it's a hot you, dog. Have, you have a weird palate. <laughs> I do. It's a unique palate. You don't like things. I don't like things. No, Corey. For the, for those who don't know, I'm gonna I'm gonna reveal something that's probably against Corey's wishes about him. The man doesn't like macaroni and cheese. I like Kraft macaroni and cheese. <laughs> the the, the man doesn't like gourmet macaroni. And right, and then like so, like when they got when I was over at your house yeah. and uh, the mac and cheese got brought up, 
and uh, <laughs> and your and your uh, wife was like, uh, "You do want any macaroni and cheese?" It's like, no, I don't like it because I didn't want to follow up with. I do like craft though. Because <laughs> like, like where would that of conversation have led to? <laughs> and that's one I didn't feel like happening. So, I mean, she's got an interesting palate herself, so she doesn't really. Oh, have I'm it. fucking terrible. But. All right, Corey. I think we, I think we've I think we've done some decent housekeeping here. I'm sure we'll be updating on the Ukraine situation as we go along. Um, anything else that that comes about? Um, I just don't like when everything gets forgotten for one thing. It's not to say that Ukraine is not a big deal. It absolutely is, and we'll continue to cover it here. But there's still other things going on. Absolutely. And, and when the and when the media is big big right <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> and when the media is really dominating one storyline. It's a lot harder to find the other things that are happening because there's a lot of good things happening that isn't being talked about and a lot of nefarious things as evidenced by this, uh, the Guardian article I just did my monologue on. Like we still have people hiding money. We still have criminals moving money around. You know, we still have uh, our own government calling more and more people terrorists every day. And so if you like what you heard today and you want to join the conversation, make sure to like, follow, and share, and subscribe to our Twitch, our uh, our YouTube channel. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. We're at Libservative on Twitch and Twitter and all them. are at Libservative Pod. You can read our monologues at LibservativePodcast.wordpress.com. That's where we, we store all of them from previous episodes. There's some really good reads. We put some time into those. Um, make sure to review if you like listen to our podcast and you like what you hear make sure to hit the review button and give us some five stars it helps uh, more people see our show shakes up the algorithms a little bit and if you like what you hear and you want to have conversations about these th- types of things tell a friend where you heard it so you guys can have some cool conversations and uh, we're live every Friday uh, come hang out and in the meantime he has been Dan Griffin He's been Corey Walsh, and this has been Libservatives, and apparently we're also live sometimes on Saturdays. Until next time, Brunch Bash. We are out of here.